Hey everyone, welcome to Experience Ministries Discipleship Podcast. I'm Dave Smewen, your host, and I'm excited to share biblical principles to help us live our faith and glorify the Lord Jesus. This is episode 41. I limited this week's study to Colossians chapter 1 verses 24 and 25 because it brings up two things that the modern church, the Western Christianity in 2023 just doesn't understand well. And if we don't understand these two biblical principles, we're not really going to grasp all of what Paul is saying in these verses. So let's read these verses together and then dive into this week's study. As you can see, it's just me again this week. No co-host. Where is my co-host? Has anybody seen Angie? Come on, we got to get her back on here. She makes this so much better. Now, I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, and in my flesh I do my share on behalf of his body, which is the church, in filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions. Of this church I was made a minister according to the stewardship from God bestowed on me for your benefit, so that I might fully carry out the preaching of the word of God. That is Colossians 1, 24 and 25 in the New American Standard. Each week, we identify the passage for the next week, the one that's coming up next, and we ask you to study the passage and answer the questions along with us. And at the end of this video, I will share next week's passage and the questions that we have for that passage. For today, let's focus in on the questions from last week. And the first one was this. What does Paul mean when he states, filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions? What did you come up with for an answer for this first question? You can answer in the comments below. Or you can email us the answer like Diane does. Thanks, Diane. You have great insights into the scriptures. I believe what Paul is pointing to in this passage is the ongoing suffering and sacrifices and afflictions that the church has to go through, the church does go through, to be established so that it can grow, so that it can reach the lost. Now, we see that in Paul's life. We know that Paul suffered a great deal in his life, in his ministry, so that the church could be established, so that it could grow and begin to flourish. But we see the same thing in the lives of individual Christians and ministry leaders in today's world and throughout history. There's always been sacrifices needed for the church to be established and to grow in new areas so that it can stay healthy, so that it can stay growing, reaching the lost, and doing what God has called it to do. So I think that that's what Paul is referring to here, not that there's something missing in the sacrifice of Jesus. What Jesus did on the cross was complete. It was a complete work. But what we do as believers is an ongoing work so that the church can be healthy and be built up. Listen to what Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 through 8 in the New American Standard. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our afflictions so that we will be able to comfort those 
who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For just as the sufferings of Christ are ours in abundance, so also our comfort is abundant through Christ. But if we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. Or if we are comforted, it is for your comfort which is effective in the patient enduring of the same suffering which we also suffer. And our hope for you is firmly grounded, knowing that as you are sharers of our sufferings, so also you are sharers of our comfort. For we do not want you to be unaware, brethren, of our affliction which came to us in Asia, that we were burdened excessively beyond our strength, so that we were despairing even of life. Paul points out that they despaired even of their very lives, and we know that that's got to be intense. Most of us don't go through afflictions and hardships and struggles to that degree, but Paul did, and in many passages in the scripture, he lists out different things that he struggled with the, that he was persecuted with or the afflictions. I mean, things such as being uh, rejected, things like being persecuted, beaten, left for dead, shipwrecked, and so on. He talks about those things as his sufferings for the establishment and furthering of the church. Really, if you, if you understand Paul, he's saying that he did these things, he suffered these things so that you and I could benefit. Now, he may not have had us directly in thought. He may have been thinking about the church at Colossae or the Ephesians or these different places, but really, we still benefit from the sacrifices and the sufferings that Paul went through. This brings up the first thing that I think the body of Christ, Christians today, really struggle with, and it's this. The body of Christ is a unit. It's a whole. It's one, even though it's made up of many individual separate parts. So yes, there are Christians and believers all around the world. We're all over the place. And yet, we are one. There is one body, the body of Christ. And we don't pay enough attention to the fact that there is one individual body, even though it's made up of many different congregations, many different individual believers, there's only one body of Christ. Now, think about this. If we broke our foot, we would go to the doctor, obviously. We would probably get a cast and probably get some crutches. And we would use those crutches and we would hobble around. I don't know, have you ever had a broken bone? I have, and it hurts. And what happens is that if you broke a foot, the other foot has to compensate. The other leg has to compensate. If you're on crutches, your arms are going to get really sore. And so what we see is that in the body of Christ, when one part suffers, the whole suffers because there's somebody else has to fill that gap. They have to compensate just like you would with a broken bone. Your, your body parts have to compensate for that weakness or for that injury, for that thing that got hurt. And it's that way in the body of Christ. We are a whole unit. And when one part of the body suffers, the whole body suffers. 1 Corinthians 12, 12 through 14, in the web version, says this, For as the body is one, and has many members, and all the members of the body, being many, 
are one body, so also is Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether bond or free, and were all given to drink into one spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. So what we see is that when one portion of the body suffers, the whole body suffers. Like Paul said, when one portion of the body is comforted, the whole body is comforted. And we don't really understand that well, I guess, and individual Christians don't understand that well, but think about this. When one portion of the body of Christ or the church is struggling with something like you know, gay marriage, uh, homosexuality, gay priests, gay pastors, all of these social things, political things, when one part of the church compromises, it affects the entire body of Christ. It affects all of Christianity, and we all suffer. That's true when it's a congregation or a group. It's true when it's an individual. When an individual stumbles in sin or stops going to church, the whole body is affected. The truth of the matter is we need each other. We need the whole body functioning together correctly. Likewise, when one person experiences revival, that spreads to the people around them. It spreads to the church. It spreads to the Christian community and can have a ripple effect through all of Christianity. It's powerful because we're individual parts, but we are one body, and we have to recognize that. I believe what Paul is pointing out here in Colossians 1.24 is that the body of Christ is a whole unit, and we must work together. We must sacrifice together. We must go through suffering together and for each other, because it's not just about me. It's about the body of Christ that my life influences, that I impact. So when we suffer together, when we sacrifice together, we grow together, we become mature together, and the body of Christ benefits and the church is able to fulfill what it's called to do in reaching the lost. It's really important for us to realize that the persecutions, the sacrifices, the sufferings that we go through in our lives have purpose. It's those times when we sacrifice, when we suffer, and people watch what we go through. It creates opportunity for us to speak to them. It, it gives them a desire to know the hope that is in us, and that's when we can share. So I really want us to grab the fact that there is purpose in our sufferings. We don't suffer for no reason. There is a reason for what we go through, and we don't always see that. We have to look beyond the struggle. We have to look beyond the suffering the affliction, the sacrifice, the hard things that we go through. We have to look beyond that so we can see that God is in control. And for those of us who love him, he will take these things and turn them for good. He will use everything in our life for his purpose if we're focused upon him. What we have to do is look beyond the challenges to see that our lives matter. What we do matters. The sacrifices we make for other people really do matter. So look at what Jesus is doing, not just in your life, but in the lives of people around you. Look at what he's doing in your church, in your culture, in your city, in your community. 
And don't get distracted by all of the bad stuff out there. Look at what Jesus is doing and see what you can do to fulfill the sufferings of Christ in your life so that other people have an opportunity to hear the gospel, to be discipled, and to grow in their faith. The second thing that I believe the church today really struggles with is the concept that all of us have gifts, talents, and abilities. Yes, in the natural we have gifts, talents, and abilities, but in the spiritual we have spiritual gifts. We have things that God has called us to do. He's given us abilities because he's equipped us to do what he's called us to do. And we have to grab hold of that and realize that he's gifted us and he's called us and he's asked us to sacrifice and to serve for the benefit of the whole body, for the, for the unit, if you will. And that's something I think that we struggle with a little bit today in Western Christianity because so many of us are focused on me, what I want, what blesses me, instead of how I can use my abilities, my spiritual gifts, my natural gifts to serve the body of Christ so that others are benefited. We as individual believers cannot push the responsibility of serving in the body of Christ off onto leaders, to pastors, to those who are full-time missionaries or in ministry in some capacity. We have to recognize that each of us are called, gifted, and can be equipped to serve the body of Christ. And really, that's what we're supposed to be doing. We need to know what God has called us to do, even if that includes suffering, and we need to be busy about doing it. In Colossians 1.25, Paul says this, Of this church I was made a minister according to the stewardship from God bestowed on me for your benefit, so that I might fully carry out the preaching of the word of God. So Paul recognizes that he was called to serve the body of Christ as a minister. He recognizes that his sacrifice, his suffering, the affliction that he went through, fulfilled the sufferings of Christ in the body. In other words, he recognized that what he went through benefited us. And that needed to happen so that we could be benefited, so that we could grow I mean, just think about it. We're studying the book of Colossians right now. That's what Paul wrote as he went along on his missionary journey. And that benefits us. We need to recognize the same thing. God has called us to serve. We need to be busy about serving like he did. Think about what Ephesians 2, 8 through 10 says. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, that no one should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Each of us have been saved by grace through faith, and we have been called to do good works. I mean, that's what Ephesians 2.10 says, that we were called to do good works, things that God has prepared in advance that we should walk in them. So we need to recognize what God has called us to do. We need to recognize that the body of Christ needs us. The church needs you. 
The body of Christ needs you. And God has called you to do something in the body of Christ. In other words, your life has purpose. We have to figure out what that calling is, and we have to step forward in that. That's when we have a sense of satisfaction. That's when we experience joy because we're doing what we're designed to do. We're doing what God has called and equipped us to do. Think about Ephesians 4.16. This is what it says in the web version. From whom all the body being fitted and knit together through that which every joint supplies according to the working in measure of each individual part makes the body increase to the building up of itself in love. We need ministers. We need people who are full-time and committed to serving the body of Christ. But the calling of a minister is not to do everything. The calling of the minister is to equip and release individual parts of the body so that they can do their part. And so we have to recognize we can't push everything off on the ministers. They are called to walk with the Holy Spirit, to work with the Holy Spirit, to equip the body of Christ so that it can build itself up because it's not the role of the minister to do everything. It's the role of the minister to equip individual members to serve and let the whole body build itself up. Now, think about what Ephesians 4, 11 and 12 says about this. This is the web version. He gave some to be apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some shepherds and teachers for the perfecting of the saints to the work of serving to the building up of the body of Christ. If you're a Christian leader, a minister, a pastor, someone with the authority in the body of Christ, full-time or not, maybe you serve in a capacity. I want to encourage you to equip others and give them opportunities to serve in the body of Christ. That's what ministers are called to do. Ministers are called to equip and release. And that's not happening a lot in our culture. That's not happening a lot in our church. And so I just want to really strongly encourage you to equip people, release them. They may not do things the way you want it done. They may not do things as good as you think they should be done, or maybe as well as you can do them. That's okay. That's part of the growing process, and we need to encourage them. We need to work with them so that they can grow and mature. Now, can I just be really blunt with you for a minute? If you're a minister, if you're a leader in the body of Christ, and you're over-controlling, and you're doing everything, and you're not equipping others and letting people do things in ministry, you're robbing them of eternal rewards because God has called them to serve. And if you're not giving them the opportunity to serve, that's not good. Now, I can say that because I've been in ministry for a long time and I've made this mistake and I'm constantly correcting this, giving other people the opportunity to serve, equipping other people, working with them. That's what we're called to do. We're called to work with the Holy Spirit to equip people and release them into the body of Christ to do the work of ministry. If you're enjoying this Bible study, hit the subscribe button, click the bell notification so that you're notified every week when a new video is released. 
And if you really like it, enjoy sharing it with a friend, sitting down with a group and going over the questions and talking about the passage. Make it your own Bible study, and this could just be a supplemental resource. I want to encourage you to get in the Word of God and study. Our passage for next week is Colossians chapter 1, verses 26 through 29, and I only have one question. It's a maybe a simple question, but if you take it seriously, it'll take you some work. So here's the question. How would you explain what Christ in you, the hope of glory, means to a new believer or to a non-believer? All right, I look forward to your answers, and I will see you next week.